0: QP Nation, QP Sports Exchange is back on the air with a Hoop Questions Monday. Now, I know it's late. It's probably going to drop super late. But the reason why this pod is dropping so late is because it's going to turn out to be a two-part episode. There was so much basketball that we had to get to and so many storylines that we had to get to that if I kept it at one pod it would have been like two hours long so I didn't want to do that to you so I'm gonna drop two episodes of Who Questions one day. so for those people who have been with me from day one we had a little situation I think back in April or May Think where we're kind of not doing pods there was some stuff going on. I'm making up for it right now because I'm dropping multiple pods today. So, what's gonna be on these on this particular episode part one? We're gonna talk about the Clippers, we're gonna talk about how they their others, their complementary players just did so well in the Utah series. So we gave them some flowers. There's a Paul George apology. We also talk about how special Devin Booker is and what he is looking like. And Kyler has a really hot take on what he thinks D Book is going to be. Shout out to D Book. Also, we talk a little bit about the Utah Jazz and how they collapsed and what they kind of need to do going forward. And then we talk about KD, Easy Money Sniper, and we give that man his flowers. And Kevin Durant, from one man to another, I want to tell you, I I was hesitant to say that you could get back to OKD. I was absolutely wrong. And my apologies are straight from the heart. That man is as good as advertised. And the league is better because of it. So we get into that as well. Then on the second part, which I'll preview now, but, you know, I'll give you a preview when we do the second part, is that it's going to be Ben Simmons all day. We get a little bit into it towards the end of part one, but then in part two, we have some irresponsible trade rumors and we put Ben Simmons in different uniforms. You're welcome, Philadelphia. So that's what the pod is looking like. And um, the other thing that I'm going to tell you is this. I'm so excited. Um, And the reason why I'm so excited is because I've been talking for months about contributors coming onto the pod. I have been talking about searching for people who are really excited about. Joining Question Point Pod Network and giving opportunities to young people. I could not be more impressed by Kyler Copeland and I hope you guys are too. So please give that dude some love. Go check out Fantasy and Dreams. It's a great pod. I love it. Not just saying because I am the host of this pod and owner of question point pod network but I just think he's real smart I think you guys will dig him I think you if you know my vibe he has a little bit of my vibe but he got his own and he's just a real good dude and we're looking for real big things out of Kyler so without further ado you know what time it is right what do we do it's almost time to get into this pot. We don't have time to talk about what's going on in the house. We got a lot to get to. And I'm not going to hold you back from all the information that we have to give to you. So let's go ahead and drop these jewels. Drop these gems. Sit back and enjoy the pot. It's Monday. you know what time it is. It is QP Sports Exchange back on the air. It's your host, Vince. And we also have Kyler Copeland back with us. I told you uh-huh. ride this horse as much as we possibly could. Kyler, how the hell are you?
1: I'm chilling, man. I'm ready to talk some food in the world of basketball, and I'm excited to get to it.
0: All right. We got a lot to talk about, man. So much went on over the weekend in uh, early or late last week. I want to start with the Clippers, if you don't mind. Um, Actually, yeah, myself, I have to give Clipper fandom a hearty apology because when I last Mm -hmm. left them, I said, good luck without Kawhi and Paul George as your go to guy. And I couldn't have been more wrong in that in that space because he put on mm-hmm. a pretty good show.
1: Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And they got you know other supporting guys. I mean, Terrence Mann really showed up. Terrence Mann, I mean, he posted Rudy Gobert two games in a row. Like that's crazy. He had a thirty-four point game, the most he's had in college or NBA. And you know, before the playoffs started, I predicted a Clippers-Bucks finals. But when Kawhi went down, you're right. I was like, they're probably done for. I, you know, I don't give them any chance of winning, you know, anything really, and going to the finals, especially. But they really impressed me, and now it's going to be interesting to see if Paul George can keep it up in the Western Conference Finals, and if they can keep getting that support from their uh, from their role players.
0: It's funny that you bring that up. So I have like some some second spectrum stats that I want to throw at you. Mm-hmm. Game five and six. So the what they call the others, as Shaq would call them, right? The the others. Yep. <laughs> those gentlemen scored a hundred and seventy-six points in those two games. Oh my god! So game six, you had Terrence Mann with thirty-nine points. He had seven. He was seven to ten from three. You had Reggie Jackson in game six with twenty-seven points and ten assists. You had Nicholas Batuno with 16 points and 7 rebounds in Game 5. You had Marcus, you had Marcus Morris with 25 points. Reggie Jackson showed up again with 22, and Terrence Mann had 13 in Game 5. So their supporting, uh, their support players really, really stepped up, and they had been talking about depth all year long. And I was going, yeah, 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 right but it actually did show up in this playoff. So what's your thoughts on that supporting group going forward against
1: the Phoenix Suns? Yeah. So I think it'll be tough to replicate that level of success. I mean, they, they obviously proved a lot against the jazz Terrence Mann, especially really impressed me. And I think he's going to be a really good player in this league. You now, as far as what his ceiling is, I'm not sure. But Terrence Mann really showed me something. He was very impressive. But Phoenix has got a really good supporting cast, too. I mean, Utah... Utah Utah's one of those teams to me where if they're not shooting the ball well, they're not really going to do anything. And they're able to... You know, with Terrence Mann especially, a lot of his success came from forcing Rudy Gobert on the perimeter. And if he was going to stay in the paint, just attack him in the paint. And he just wasn't aggressive enough with that defense, which has been exposed time and time again. With Phoenix, I don't know if he can do that. And even without... Chris Paul, I think this is going to be a tough series for them just because of guys like DeAndre Ayton and Mikael Bridges and Jay Crowder and Dario Saric. Campaign, too. Campaign has been so good this season and so good in the playoffs against the Lakers especially. So I just think that the Suns match up really well, especially when Chris Paul comes back. That's the major difference in the series to me is that Chris Paul is going to come back and Kawhi probably isn't. So I still have Phoenix winning this series but i think the clippers can give a tougher shot than i would have thought without Kawhi.
0: well the news on Kawhi is this from what i've been told um they still have very little information and i mean from the literal top up so their vp of player personnel has very little information on how bad the actual injury is, which almost, it doesn't even compute to me that that is the actual case. All right. The second thing, yeah. is, the second thing with that is, is that supposedly, and you know, you've been around sports long enough to, to know this when it's getting to the media that Kawhi is engaged you know, via telephone or in the back or whatever. Usually, what that means is that he's not coming back. So, whatever the injury is, which usually with Kawhi is shrouded in secrecy, and Uncle Dennis is like the is like the Secret Service. You know what I'm saying? Um, I don't see he. I don't see Kawhi coming back, and without him. I will have to tell Clipper fans again that Paul George is going to have to prove it to me again to make me believe that he is that dude that can get them to
1: the finals. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I mean the nicknames are there for a reason. Playoff P, Way Off P, Pandemic P. He's had some rough games, but you know, this playoffs, he's been... Stellar, especially for his standards in the playoffs. So, he, I mean, you're right. He does have a lot to prove, but it'll be interesting. And another note with Kawhi is, I mean, you mentioned it that we have so much misinformation. I think the Clippers, and this is just, this isn't a source. This is just my intuition on it. I think they know that it's really serious. They just don't want to leak it because they want the Suns to be like, is there a chance you can come back for a game seven? You never know. In my opinion, it seems like something where Kawhi is going to miss this whole playoffs and he can miss a good chunk of next season. And I think the interesting part of that is that Kawhi, lest we forget is a free agent. And I think that'll be very interesting to see how that affects maybe not where he goes, but more so what kind of contract he's able to get from the Clippers.
0: Well, I'll tell you this.
1: Um, I'll
0: put it this way. Maybe Steve Ballmer knows what's going on. But I can tell you, I talked to a couple people in that front office. Mm -hmm. And they don't know what's going on. Right. So maybe at the highest levels of the Clipper organization, somebody knows. But I can tell you at the level of day-to-day operations of that team, there's a lot of absolute be-in-the-dark, about his status, what is the health of that knee, I, I'm actually with you. I think there's something really wrong. I think there is, like you said, it's a good chance that there it's an actual tear, okay, mm-hmm. and he's going to miss a chunk of next year as well. I 100% believe in that and co-sign that whole deal. Now, as far as his contract is concerned and being a free agent, I think with the Clippers – I think they will take care of him. Now mind you, if he said he wanted to go somewhere else, he might have to he might have to uh, take a little a little cut. Mm-hmm. So if he cares about his cash, stay with the Clippers. If he's like ah, it's quality of life or butts for me, maybe he takes a little pay cut. I don't see Kawhi ever doing that personally. You know, just because of what has gone on and maybe this injury will actually make him sign long term, like not one of those two year opt out player option deals, Mm -hmm. actual four year contract, that sort of thing. And maybe you have a player option on the last year of the contract.
1: Right. And I mean, what you said about Kawhi with the, you know, living situation, it's interesting because if he does want to take a pay cut for living situation, which is how Kawhi is, that would also be the Clippers. Because we know that he likes to stay close to his residency, but he doesn't want to play with LeBron and the Lakers, obviously. And so to me, the only other team that makes sense for him is Golden State. But I I think you're right that there's really a pretty good chance no matter what that he's going to stay with the Clippers, whether he gets his money or not.
0: Yeah, man, we'll see. It looks like free agency will be kind of a dud. I think a lot of trades are going to happen. And Mm -hmm. it already started. Kimball Walker is now a funder. And this team now has, Thirty-six draft picks in the next six years, and I think I saw a stat where this this actual particular draft, the one that's coming up, they have six of the top thirty-six picks.
1: Damn. <laughs> no. <laughs> It's crazy, yeah. Whenever I looked at that trade, it's something that I've talked about with my guys a lot, the Kemba for Horford trade. It made the most sense for the Celtics. Now, as far as what pick they gave up, we didn't know it was going to be the 16th pick specifically, but Kemba for Horford made sense. And the big thing to me in this trade that sells it for me, that the Celtics for sure won this deal, is the fact that they're able to get Moses Brown as well in this deal. Moses Brown, I'm not going to act like I watched every single Thunder game, but Moses Brown to me showed a lot of potential as a, what seven two big, and I think him and Robert Williams as the bigs on the Celtics have a really bright future. And so the fact that they got him, they got Horford as you know a veteran presence and a guy that we've seen works in Boston and cap space. I think the first move for Brad Stevens, he's one for one. He killed it with this one.
0: Well, shout out to my boy Moses Brown. He is a UCLA guy, so I was really unsure when he came out because. I thought he was immature at that point. I think the G League and that grind has toughened him up. I think it's also gave him a different perspective. And I I do see a lot of upside in him. I saw him a bunch at UCLA. The dude can absolutely time um, jump shots and people coming to the basket. He can be kind of a poor man's Rudy Gobert when it comes to that. You don't want to go inside the paint on Moses Brown at all, because it might you might
1: you might have to go home with your feelings hurt. Yeah, he's got a lot of potential, and I mean, when you talk about the guys that go to the Celtics, Celtics fans seem to want every player in the league in a trade. I think importantly, they didn't have to give up too much, and he fits the timeline of their guys. He's young. I mean, they got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, still young guys. That you know They're going to be trying to compete in the playoffs, but they're doing it year by year. It's not a we have to win now sort of thing. It's just trying to keep building and building what they already have. And Moses Brown as a building piece is really good to me. So Brad Stevens really impressed me with this move.
0: No doubt. Now here's the big thing with this is that they still have the Marcus Smart contract. And if you can somehow find a way to get a signing trade with Evan Fournier, that's thirty one, thirty two million dollars. Now, with Kemba being gone, what's your thoughts on how do you replace that hole at the point guard position?
1: Um, okay, well, it's tough. I think I think their number one target has to be Lonzo. I think Lonzo would be a perfect fit for the Celtics team. As far as other guys they could possibly get. I mean, I don't think Damian Lillard is going to be a guy that they're going to be able to get, really. I don't think Kyle Lowry is going to go to Boston. So I think Lonzo's going to be their number one. Then after that, um, they're going to you know, try to find some other things. Maybe they try Marcus Smart playing point guard. I know he has some playmaking abilities. And honestly, I just can't see Marcus Smart getting traded from the team. I've said this for a couple of weeks now since Celtics trade rooms have started, you know, with Brad Stevens going to DM and all. I think if they trade Marcus Smart, that's going to hurt the team no matter who they get. Just because Marcus Smart is the heart and soul of the team, he's the only guy with any real culture. And he seems like one of those players where even if he's not a star, if he gets traded, the stars are going to be upset. I think Tatum and Brown would be really upset. I think the locker really likes Marcus Smart. So I just think trading him would be a bad idea. And, you know, we've seen it with, I mean, Luca and Zion, that there's little moves that can make guys a little irritated, but nothing's going to happen in the immediate future. But these little irritants build up. And, you know, three years from now, we can be talking about Jason Tatum requesting trade or something like that. I'm not saying that would directly happen because Marcus Smart would get traded. But, you know, you do what you can to keep the stars happy. And I think Marcus Smart and the team, is just the best result for the players and the front office.
0: Well, I'll tell you this right now: Brad Stevens is not a Marcus Smart fan. Now he might mm-hmm. keep him on the team for Tatum and Brown, but he is their their relationship was not great. He did not Correct. feel. Yeah, the, the Stevens-Marcus-Smart relationship wasn't great. Mm-hmm. There are thoughts that there is some... I'll say it like this. There's some there's some Westbrook in him in the sense of is he getting out to the short corner three like he's supposed to? Is he taking too many chances um, getting into the passing lanes? Well, you want to definitely commend the, you know, the the effort and the, you know, you want to definitely commend that he is putting in the work to kind of see things before it happens. But there's been a lot of times where I think Stevens felt he left his center or his bigs on an island that they didn't need to be on. Mm-hmm. So the defensive breakdowns were critical. And I don't know if... You got Brad Stevens alone in a in a quiet moment. I don't think it'll be a real positive conversation when it comes to Marcus Smart at all from his perspective.
1: No, that could be true. But I think him being general manager instead of the coach, he doesn't necessarily have to deal with that personality as much as far as, you know, playing in the rotation and playing him within their system and all that. That's more so due to whoever their coach is, which I believe will be Rick Carlisle. But that's a whole separate thing on how that might work. But, I mean, you talk about defensive breakdowns with Marcus Smart doing some of the little things like not getting in the short corner three, like you said. If you trade Marcus Smart, where is their perimeter defense? Like, they just don't... I mean, Tatum has improved as a defender, and Jalen Brown's improved as a defender, but they just don't have the guys, to me, that scream good defense. And I feel like if you trade Marcus Smart for a facilitating point guard. I mean, you're going to start looking at this team similar to the Portland Trail Blazers, where their team's got some really good offense. But their defense is just so bad that you don't see them as a real threat in the playoffs.
0: But you don't think, like, the young kids um, with, a, with a year of development and, like, a kind of a closer to a regular offseason because, you know, Boston, you know, didn't really do anything in the playoffs... You don't think, like, Aaron Neesmith, the Peyton Purchase of the world, I'm not saying for them to be market Smart, locked-down defenders, but competent defenders. And Jalen Brown is a very good on-ball defender. Mm-hmm. And I think that Jason Tatum can complement that situation with just his size and his athletic ability. If Brad Stevens feels that Marcus Smart was more of a hindrance than he was an actual positive impact on the team. You don't think that kind of addition by subtraction makes sense in Boston because there were reports when the whole kind of Kyrie thing was going on. There were different camps, and there were certain people that were in the Kyrie camp and there were certain people that were on the, like the young guys count. And it was funny that Marcus smart ended up in the Kyrie camp.
1: Yeah. I mean, you could be right. And I mean, like you said, the young guys like Peyton Pritchard and Romeo Langford and all of them could develop to be pretty solid plus defenders. But I think Marcus smart being on the team would help those guys actually play defense to, you know, take less of the workload on defense. And I mean, like you said, it could be addition by subtraction because of personalities. But I think if you were to think of it like that, you would trade Marcus Smart mid-season just to see if there is still a clash so Brad Stevens can actually look at it from a GM perspective on how it's affecting the team. So I think if Marcus Smart is going to get moved, which, I mean, I don't really agree that he should, but if you are going to do it, it'd probably be at the trade deadline and not the off-season.
0: All right, we'll have to see with the off-season because you know QP Sports Exchange. Who questions Monday doesn't go away just because... The playoffs are off. You know what I'm saying? we going to go all year around because basketball, just like the chick from the ring, never sleeps. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. So we're going to move on to Phoenix, man. And the one thing that I want to talk to you about what's going on there is CP3 not there, no problem. Devin Booker looks like a real superstar. Um, his, the game won first of all, the triple double was amazing. Okay, it was just absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. And the other thing is, he looked very comfortable saying, Hey, I'm gonna go ahead and uh put you guys on my back, and we're gonna win this game. And yeah, it, it sucks that CP3 is not here, but it's cool because I am here. And he's just like that dude.
1: Yeah. Devin Booker, to me, I mean, I was so impressed with that game. I believe that's his first career triple-double, right, in that game? Yes, that was indeed, super. Turn. Yes, it was. So, Devin Booker, that first career triple-double, I mean, he's clearly got that sort of mentality to beat that guy that steps up in games, especially in the fourth quarter. We've seen crazy scoring ability from Devin Booker in his career. And, I mean, if he keeps playing like this – I mean, we talked about the series earlier. The Clippers are going to have a real tough time with that. And Devin Booker, I mean, he's got... I was going to say top 10 player in the league potential, but he he's already probably close to the top 10, if not in it. So Devin Booker's probably got top five player potential, if we're being honest. And I mean, I'm not going to go as far as Stephen A. Smith said, where he was saying that Devin Booker is the next Kobe, which is what he said this morning. But... Devin Booker, to me, is a really special player that can – man, I'm just – I'm excited to see – I mean, he dropped 70 in a game when he was, what, 19 or 20 or something like that. He's he's so good, man. Well, I've always
0: been a Devin Booker fan. I, I just like his work ethic. Uh, I mean, I understand that, yes, he did work out with Kobe and all that, but I just like his demeanor on the floor – he he seems to care. You know, I know that sounds really bad to the other players in the league, but Devin Booker seems to really care about his craft. It seems that there's always something new coming into his game. And we're going to get into that a lot later in regards to another player. But (laughs) you just see, um, just nuances to his game. And the great thing about it is, is the fluidity in which you see like these little, just these minor little tweaks and these little setups that he does in the first quarter that he comes back like in the fourth quarter and they're set up for a certain move. And he just tweaks it a little bit where the shot he's open. He's just open And it doesn't take much for him to get that shot off. And he's just a, he's a killer. And I just, I love the way he plays. And I think this series um, is going to be
1: really entertaining between the Mm -hmm. Clippers and the Suns. So I'm looking forward to it. No, it should be a really good series. My prediction, I think I'm going to go, I mean, obviously the Suns have already took game one. I'm going to go Suns in six, but I think it could go seven for sure. I'm not going to be surprised at all if they take it seven.
0: I would say that I think the Suns and Six call is real good. I want to see, like you said, I want to see the support players for the Clippers. I want to mm-hmm. see how they react. Now that, you know, you, you got past Utah and you were excellent in that series when Kawhi went down it's a little different now. We're like a week, a week and a half removed. Are you still able to do and perform the way you were like day after you found out that Kawhi was injured and you weren't going to have him? Mm-hmm. So it just be really interesting to see if the others continue to play at such a high level.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for this series. All the role players should be showing out. I'm hoping the star players show out. And it for sure is going to be better than the Eastern Conference Finals because that series, I think, goes four or five. So, man, I'm just hoping for a good series, to be honest.
0: And before we move to the Eastern Conference Finals and all that has transpired there, um, first and foremost, let's talk about the Jazz And let's talk about the collapse in the third quarter. um, The Clippers were down by 25 points, okay? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Within a five-minute span, they were down by three. And then (laughs) from that point, the Clippers went on and blew them out. Now, I don't know if you saw this, but from – the start of second half, the Clippers scored in that game 81 points.
1: Yep. Okay. Um,
0: the other thing is this, and, and Jazz fans are going to be mad at me, and that's fine. Rudy Gobert is a, is a really, really good center. He's a great defensive center. I don't know if he's defensive player of the year. I'm sorry. I just don't. Because he doesn't affect enough stuff outside the paint for me. Yeah. And that, to me, is... That was a series, right? Mm -hmm. Drop down. You know, you're going to guard the paint. You're going to make sure lobs don't get there. I gotcha. If somebody actually does come to the hole, and like we saw, Terrence Mann yammed on him. Twice. Just... I mean, it's – I understand everybody gets dunked on, right? I do. I get get it. Everybody gets got. But you know that you're the guy, okay? You're the guy that has to set the defensive tone. And where was it when they really needed it
1: from him? Yeah, I think we've learned that Rudy Gobert just is not going to be that same guy in the playoffs. Now, are they going to be able to like trade Rudy Gobert? I don't think so. I think a trade match that actually works for Rudy Gobert is too tough. But they're going to have to find some way. I think in the off season for the Jazz, they're going to need to find someone that can play small ball center for if they need to go small ball because small ball against the Clippers, I think, would work better just because Rudy Gobert isn't going to give you much on offense and his defense got exposed. And I mean, you're right that like, he's a very good defender, but in the regular season, I had Bama to buy was my defensive player of the year, just because he is that impactful center in the paint, but he can also take you out the perimeter. He's much more versatile. He switches onto your guard. He can take you and Rudy Gobert just can't do that. So, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, I'm praying for him because I love Donovan Mitchell's game, but that seems to be, it seems to be in a weird spot. Just because it's Mitchell, Gobert, and a bunch of role players. And I just, I mean, they were the one seed, and they just couldn't get it done against the Clippers. So now I just don't know where they go from here.
0: Well, I'm also under the opinion that sometimes we have a quick trigger on trades, right? We want us, Mm -hmm. you know, when we see something wrong, we want to just immediately fix it. Right. Well,. Like you said, maybe there's a tweak here and there. Maybe there's a guy because, you know, centers aren't valued like they used to be. Maybe maybe you could pick up on a, a New Orleans Noel. Maybe you could pick up somebody of that elk and bring him into the fold. And when you need to go small, you're still not going super small because Noel is like 6'11". But he's a lot more agile on the perimeter And he could chase down little dudes. And then as far as Donovan Mitchell is concerned, that dude's ankle crumpled because he had to carry this team. Mm -hmm. I mean, the performances that he put up, he has nothing to put his head down about. Young man, you did all you could. You just could not bring
1: the rest of the
0: dogs with you.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was incredible. Like him and Devin Booker are being compared every single game just cause they both are young guards and they showed out and Donovan Mitchell was really good. And you mentioned Nerlens Noel as a guy they could get in the offseason to, to tweak it. Nerlens Noel is a good fit. I think, I don't know what his contract situation is, but whenever I look at the Jazz and what they need, it just screams PJ Tucker. I think PJ Tucker would be a really good addition for this team just cause he is that small ball center. He gives you a bit of that attitude. He can be your enforcer on the team. He gives you good defense, but he also gives you spacing. And so a P.J. Tucker, Robert Covington, maybe you take a chance and trade a second round pick for Mo Bamba if you think you can develop him. Just some sort of guy to try to fix that back a big spot.
0: I'm going to tell you right now, Kevin O'Connor from the Ringer is absolutely loving your take on Mo Bamba, Cause that dude has not sold that stock yet at all. He is he is definitely holding tight to his Mo Bonga stock. And that's for sure. But definitely that I mean anything right anything to try, right? Mm-hmm. I also thought of one thing for the Jazz. Now it's pretty big, but it's We'll see. So would you Kyler, would you think that the Jazz are, are excellent outside
1: shooting team? Yeah, I mean they they have a lot of three point shooters. I'd say they're a pretty good three point shooting team.
0: Okay. So if I I'm gonna throw a name out there to you and I'm gonna give you my take on it and then I'm gonna let you go. Okay? Mm-hmm. What about Russell Westbrook going to Utah? Now, you got to make the money fit. You don't want to trade like, you know, Bogdanovich or anybody like that. You don't want to take shooting off the team. But if Mike Conley not going to stay, right, maybe there's some sort of three-team deal where you get Westbrook to run with Donovan Mitchell. And the only reason I say that is that it seems like Donovan Mitchell needs like one more dog with him. Like one more like, yo, I'm about this life. I'm going a, I'm to a get buckets. I'm going to go to the rim and, and duck on it like it stole something from me. And Westport in a, in a, in a sea of shooting to me sounds intriguing. I don't know if it's the best fit. I'm just saying Westbrook and a
1: bunch of shooters. No, I I get where you're coming from. Just, I mean, Westbrook and Gobert to me is just a weird fit, but the rest of the shooters, I agree that him and Donovan Mitchell with, you know, Bogdanovich and Bruce O'Neill and whoever actually stays on the team after the trade, it is intriguing. Um. The only the only other thing that makes me have a little bit of an issue is Russell Westbrook would be pissed if he was in Utah. He would hate it in Utah. And, I mean, that's why, I mean, Kyle Lowry's a guy. I think Kyle Lowry would be an even better fit than Westbrook in Utah, but I don't think Kyle Lowry wants to go to Utah either. So it's just tough to see what big free agents are coming there. Westbrook especially because he's had a little bit of a rough time in Utah in his playing career. But That's I think true. Westbrook and Donovan that is, Mitchell. As a parent, that that is
0: true. I did not think about how bad the Jazz fans have been to him and to his family. So I can mm-hmm. definitely see him saying, oh, no, I, y'all, y'all need to nix that trade because there's no way in hell
1: I'm going there. Yeah, no, I just I couldn't see that happening. But Westbrook and Donovan Mitchell would be fun for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was just one of those things where You're kinda just thinking you're just looking at it and going outside the box, right? You're Mm -hmm. on a situation well, what what can we give Donovan Mitchell? And then I looked at the whole CP three and how that helped D book, right? You know, it just it just helped him, right? And Mm -hmm. it just seems that Donovan Mitchell needs a guy like that. Just a tough minded guy. The one thing that I will push back on the T, uh, on PJ Tucker deal is that at some point man, right? I mean, I understand that he's he's a really excellent defender. But you got to get something offensively, right? And you know yeah. Rudy Gobert is he's limited. You know, you're paying that dude a lot of money and he's his zenith is like 12 14 points. In games that matter, right? Right. He'll give you the rebounds. He'll give you the blocks. But as far as actually giving you like, yo, I'm going to go out here and give you 22 tonight. You don't have to worry. I got this for you. I never see that with him.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're right about PJ Tucker. He's not going to go out there and give you 20 points, but he's a guy that can shoot the three occasionally. And I mean, just finding a center like that, that fits on Utah that's actually available it is kind of tough. I mean, in a perfect world, could they get Miles Turner? Yeah, but Turner Turner's not going to be the backup big on Utah next season. So, like, I don't know. I just look at Tuckers and Covingtons and guys like that that can fill in, in the role. Maybe not a perfect level, but at least give them a little bit of what they need.
0: Well, I think that a lot of people are going to have some outside-the-box thinking because if you look at it from, like, now, um, from – maybe the start of the season, we did not know that we were going to see this version of Nicholas Batum, Mm -hmm. right? There's been some, some guys that you sat there and said, Oh man. Yeah. That, that does work. That, that really actually works. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think teams are going to really have to, do a lot of self scouting this year and be very critical um, on themselves and say, you know what, can we get this like ancillary piece?
1: And he just unlocks what we do. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think of guys that could be like that around the league. It's tough because Nicholas Batum was such a wild one playing at center Nobody would have thought about it, and then he plays there, and he's actually pretty solid. But I think you're right that we're going to start seeing this more and more around the league, um, and that will be pretty exciting. I think what I think the kind
0: of the poster child for this is Jeff Green, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Like Jeff
0: Green is like the poster child for your 6'9", I can play center, I can, you know, I can play power forward, I can step out and, and, and guard a, a perimeter guy for at least, you know, a few seconds, you know, not terrible, and just provide real solid defense and move the ball enough where, you know, it's not just sitting in one guy's hand and it's 22 seconds and then we throw up a crazy shot, right? So if you can mm-hmm. find the Jeff Greens, the Nicholas Batum's of the world, I think that's where people are going to... I think that secondary market this year is going to be really telling, and the smart GMs are going to get guys like that because they see, they've they seen the success of Jeff Green and, hell, even Blake Griffin. Like, mm-hmm. did, you, did you really honestly believe that this version of
1: Blake Griffin existed anymore before you saw it? No, I... I thought no way especially at center I thought their defense was going to be terrible and I I mean Blake Griffin didn't really show much in the last season and a half with the Pistons since he's been hurt but yeah you're right he's been very impressive
0: I really believe that that is those are the guys those are the type of guys that you're looking for and you know what I think there will be a team that looks at Mo Bangla I think this might be the year that somebody looks at Mo Bamba and goes, "You know what? Come with me, young man. We're gonna get you out of Orlando. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna put you in a different
1: organization, and we're gonna see what you can do." Mhm. Mo is, I mean, an interesting prospect. I mean, he was what the sixth pick to the Magic, and we've seen guys leave bad teams and go to a good team, and they really flourish. I'm not saying Mo is gonna be, you know. a regular starter or an all-star or anything like that. but he, He's a guy that can give you, you know, 10 to 11 points, eight to nine boards and a block like Mo Bama to me. is just an intriguing prospect. And I think, you know, you probably wouldn't have to give up that much, honestly, like, I don't know, second round pick or two. And I think that's pretty worth it as just a little flyer. I agree. I mean,
0: Second-round picks, I mean, yeah, you get the – every once in a while, you get the obligatory Terrence Mann type situation, right? Like, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're talking about second-round picks, I mean, good luck if you're, like, betting on that guy to really bring something to your organization. You're just kind of like – if something happens in the second round and it takes off, you're just like, man, he stole this. This is – this is great. We didn't even right. expect this. This is fantastic. And now we got this dude for cheap for a second.
1: Yeah, I mean, the second round to me is, I mean, it's really just flyers at that point. It's kind of like the, you know, the sixth and seventh round of the NFL draft where they just start taking punters and they start taking guys' injury histories and all that. You just take guys that have a lot of upside. You see, you know, your Draymonds and your Fred VanVleets and all those guys. But, I mean... It's a pretty good chance that the second round pick you trade for Mo Bamba isn't going to be better than Mo Bamba, you know?
0: This is facts. It's probably going to be some euro that you got to stash for like two years.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is true.
0: Now, Kyler, we're going to get to another guy that, that spent some time in Texas. He didn't spend a lot of time in Texas, but I know you know this man. He goes by the name of Easy Money Sniper, also Mm -hmm. known as KD. Now, I'm going to give you a couple stats, and then I'm going to have you talk about this. From game three on, Kevin Durant was off the court for a total of 18 minutes.
1: Damn. That's ridiculous. That's that's crazy, especially a guy coming off an injury. That's unreal.
0: I mean, I just want to give him his flowers. This is this is all. This is this is a Kevin Durant appreciation segment. If you don't mind. First of all,
1: I don't all, know at all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, first of all, the forty nine point triple double game. I mean, don't get me wrong. Devin Booker's 40-point triple-double game was amazing. But to see Kevin Durant go, I have to do everything in my power to help us win this game, knowing that Harden was absolutely compromised and knowing that there wasn't much he was going to give the Nets team except presence, right? Mm -hmm. For KD to step up like that and to give that type of performance, I mean, I don't know who was out there questioning who this man was. Now, I did have two... I had two little trepidations with him. I was like, man, is he going to be the same? Like, coming off the Achilles... Being mm-hmm. a being a Laker fan, I saw what he did to Kobe. Right, right. I just, I was, I was like, man, we got to pump the brakes on what we see with Kevin Durant. No, this dude looks like Kevin Durant. This dude oh, yeah. looks exactly like Kevin Durant.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, here's one other stat for you. Do you know this man averaged damn near 35 points a game? during this uh, nba playoffs which is yeah literally two more two more points than what he averaged when he was fully healthy golden state kevin durant
1: yeah kevin durant is just that guy and you know i'm ready to say it after these playoffs i know you're a laker guy so this might you know this might not go over very well with you but to me kevin durant is the best player in the world i'm ready to say that kd Is just that guy. He's the best scorer in the league to me. You can make the case for Steph Curry. But KD, to me, is just that guy. Now, in these playoffs, my only question coming into it was whenever Harden and Kyrie both got hurt, I was saying with some of my guys, can KD be the only guy on a team and still step up to that level? Because we hadn't seen it really ever without him having at least one star because he had Westbrook and then he had Steph and Clay and Draymond, and then he had Kyrie and James Harden midseason. Those were my questions, and he proved me absolutely that he can be that guy. And I mean, KD, KD's special. I don't know where I'm going to rank him all time, but he's quickly climbing up the ladder.
0: Well, I did wonder myself out loud KD on an island by himself. With a volleyball, and he named it Wilson and to see <laughs> what he was gonna do with it. But that dude was like, Oh no, I am exactly who you thought I used to be, but I'm even more deadly, and I'm gonna give you these buckets. And here's the other thing as a Laker fan, I'll say it like this I love the Lakers right but mm-hmm. kevin Durant is the best basketball player in the world mm-hmm. i have no intrepidation to say that there's no pause in my voice listen the king is still the king all right and until that dude retires i don't count him out of getting back to you know finals and and, and all of that but to say that oh yeah he's still the best player in the league? No. You can't say it. Kevin Durant is right now just the man. There's no question about that at all. And he proved, he he just, he proved it. He just proved it. He went out, he saw his team just falling apart. Injuries, Joe, we, somebody by the way, I don't know if you did it already. I don't know if I hit you with that email. Did you put out that APB on Joe Harris yet?
1: Oh, no, I have not done that with Joe Harris.
0: Okay, we need to get Nancy Grace and see if she can find Joe Harris for us. (laughs) (laughs) Because that dude was supposed to be the other guy to step up. Yeah, and he did not so KD was literally in a sense for the occasional Jeff Green game and we'll get to the, into that in a second KD was by himself and what he did was absolutely commendable and then the other thing is this right if this dude wears a 15 and a half yeah. Mike listen Coach Butt would have been fired on the spot.
1: Oh, yeah. He would have been fired this morning for sure. Yeah, and KD, I, I almost wanted that to be a three because even though I was rooting for Milwaukee in that series, just seeing that game, I felt bad for Kevin Durant. That's really the first time I can say that in a while. Well, I guess he got hurt. I felt bad for him then, but KD on the court at least, he was so good and they still just couldn't pull it out. And we've seen that a number of times in these playoffs actually with Damian Lillard and Steph Curry, these incredible performances and they just can't quite get it done. And I think that just shows how much talent there is in the league that these guys can have so many good games and so many good players and they just can't quite squeeze it out because the other team just has a couple more plays to edge it out.
0: And that leads us right to where we need to go. (laughs) First of all to Philadelphia 76ers fans this is a public service announcement to you we are sorry we are absolutely apologetic about what transpired yesterday to you I've never felt bad for Philly fan ever in my life but yesterday I had to feel just a tad bit of sorrow for Philly fan because Kyler Trey Young was 5 of 23 the 76ers were at home yep how do you lose to the Hawks with Trey Young completely ineffective until the last three to four minutes of that game?
1: Yeah, I actually have a stat for you that I've saved up. I don't know if you've seen this or not. Do you want to know how many uh, fourth quarter shots Ben Simmons has had in the last four games combined? <laughs>
0: I'm gonna be I'm gonna be facetious and say negative twelve. I know that's not a number, <laughs> but I want to say something like I'm gonna throw a, like a a number that doesn't even exist. It was a negative eleven, 11t. <laughs>
1: I'll tell you what: zero shot attempts in the last four fourth quarters combined. Ben Simmons is not that guy. My favorite thing to do every time I see a game like this is I go back and watch Ben Simmons summer league highlights where he's killing him in the mid range, and the title is like the next LeBron James. I mean, man, it's it's bad what he's doing out there. And I mean, that that play, especially where he passed to Matisse and the only shot went free throw. I mean You heard the Joel Embiid press conference where he said that was the turning point in the game. Mm -hmm. And you heard Doc Rivers say that he doesn't know if he can start on a championship team. Ben Simmons is just not that guy. We have to accept that Ben isn't a star. At this point, Ben Simmons is getting paid star money, but in the grand scheme of things, he's a role player until he can try to find something on offense he can do. It's clearly mental, and you just... I don't I don't know what's next for him, man.
0: I mean, you and I, we, we kind of discussed this in the now defunct locker room, which now is called the green room. And we have to scroll. <laughs> like, I got a beard. I had a beard like James Harden by the time I found the room. I know. Um, so here's what I'll say about Bill, Ben Simmons. Right. All right. This is hard. So Simmons is a, is an elite defender. Okay? This is what I'll give. Him. He's a very good distributor. Mhm. But this is where it all goes completely wrong. I am sorry. I can't give you anything when you only take four shots in a game. And that matisse Thibault dump-off was the literal last drop. Okay? The rumors out there and, you know, these streets are hot with info. Listen, people are saying that that guy does not work on his offensive game in the offseason. It's been out there for like three years. Okay, this is not something that we just dug up yesterday this is stuff that's been going on for three years Mm -hmm. now you are next to a guy that has taken his share of criticism but has always come back and implemented something in his game in Joel Embiid now Joel Embiid for me showed me an incredible amount this year, you know, they, they say, Hey, you, you know, you get blown up in the fourth quarter. You're tired. You're winded. You could tell that he worked on his body. They say, Oh, you're taking too many jump shots. Joel got in the paint. Oh, well, you got to play better on the defensive end. You saw that guy get out to three point shooters. And when he was on an Island on in the perimeter, he wasn't lost. Okay. Yeah. You saw effort, and you saw improvement in his game because that guy works on his game in the off season. I know for a fact he does. So my question is, like you said, by the way, did you know he's making more money than Joel Embiid?
1: <laughs> That's crazy. That's wild, dude. He's got him by two mil. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And man, Ben Simmons is just just an interesting career. Arc. Let me ask you this question that I just now thought about, because Ben Simmons, I feel like a lot of his impact is based on just his height and size. Right. So let me ask you this. If you take Ben Simmons height and you switch it with Campazo's and you do the same to Campazzo. What is Ben Simmons like, and what is Campazo like? If you keep their skills but switch the height,
0: uh, Ben Simmons is working at McDonald's drive-through window. <laughs> shout out to our, shout out to our board, Hachi. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh shit! Yeah, Ben Simmons is is it, yeah. I don't know. He Maybe he's on some sort of reality TV show, right? Because he's kind of a good-looking dude, I guess. I don't know. Maybe he's on, like, what is it, below deck or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what that cat is doing at this point. Yeah, he was 5'11". That's terrible. And by the way, for him to be that close to the rim and have Trey Young on him, and be 65 to 70 pounds larger than Trey Young and have almost a foot on him that that was it that was it yep. that was literally it if he if you put a, a a video explanation of why Ben Simmons is no longer a Philadelphia 76er everybody will say that they will go to that Yep. So now here's the thing that I want to ask you, okay? Cuz I've hmm. I've really been thinking about this. And I kind of worked some things up. So this by the way, this is the irresponsible trade rumor part of All right. So that's the end of part 1 and we will go ahead and fill you in on where we could put Ben Simmons. And out of Philadelphia, basically. So, if you're looking for the irresponsible trade rumors or whatever, or trade machine things that I did, that's going to be in part two of the podcast, okay? So, we did not leave you hanging. Everything is good. You got part one. Part two, we're just going to go into it. It is just going to be trade rumor, just irresponsible we're getting rid of people. We're putting people in different locations. And you want to hear that. So I'm glad that you enjoyed part one. We did introduce Kyler Copeland to the Who Questions Monday crew, QP Nation. Go get my boy's pod. If you do fantasy football, fantasy and dreams is dope. And I'm glad to have Kyler aboard. So I'm going to go ahead and end this part, and I'll see you on part two.